Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why will why not? And today's what is going to be a thread from the subreddit known as Ask Reddit. And this episode, the Ask Reddit, will be one that was entitled, What's a Deep Dark Secret That You've Never Told Anyone? But before we get into that, I just want to say, of course, thank you to everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon, and thanks for everyone who stuck with the podcast through patrons weird suspension of the podcast for the art that i had for one of the episodes and that was sort of a frustrating period for me as you might imagine but in the end it did get all ironed out and uh, apparently there was an article that my friend shared with me that patron patreon however the whatever however you would like to pronounce it it's up to you they're getting pressure from their credit card processing partners not to allow anything pornographic and apparently this you know picture was clearly of a man sucking his own dick but you couldn't see it because it was but it was just like his the side of his leg and his torso bent over and you and i have a different tolerance for that sort of image i suppose where you and i might laugh a credit card processor might say clutch the pearls and oh my that kind of thing Anyway, so that's beyond us. So thanks for everyone who stuck with the podcast through Patreon. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who has continued to support the podcast just by listening to it. That's more than enough. You might say, all I do is listen. That's that's nothing, Lou. But to me, it does mean something when I know people are listening to the podcast because it means I'm doing something right for goddamn once. As always, please, if you feel like you want to and you are on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, please rate the podcast as high as five stars and as low as five stars. That's fair. Yeah, so thanks to those who review, thanks to those who just listen, and thanks to those who spread it to their friends or putting it on a long car drive for someone who's never heard it. Good luck. (laughs) And lastly, right now, through I think the next week or so the lou reads t-shirt store is open at bonfire.com b-o-n-f-i-r-e.com just search for lou reads and that shirt will pop up and it will be available for you to buy so uh if you like lou reads t-shirt and i don't see why you wouldn't it is a conversation starter go on down to that website there and uh pick one up and remember if you're a lady the shirts are slim fit So if you are concerned about it being tight, buy a size bigger. And the logo goes right across your boobs. So if you don't want your boobs accentuated by super cool logo, then (laughs) tough luck. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, without further ado, let's get right into this podcast. And as an incentive, uh, I'm going to be reading some of the more recent reviews of the podcast from iTunes at the end of the episode. So stick around for that. Listen for your name or your fake name, which is all people usually do. Anyway, so let's get right into reddit.com subreddit ask reddit in a topic started by wizard Coer entitled what's a deep dark secret 
you've never told anyone. And the first reply is by Azalis, who writes, When I was going to school, we were really poor. My mom would regularly be in tears about bills. I used to sneak my lunch money back into their possession by hiding it in laundry, jackets, cars, or her purse. They were always so happy and relieved to find extra cash they had forgotten about. And Hello It's Gar writes, Something wholesome on this thread for once. And Jumbuck Tuckerbag writes, It's wholesome. It's also sad. And Sean G writes, I'm with you. It's not particularly uplifting. And Folk Taliesin writes, Well, the OP is, quote-unquote, dark secrets. And like Sinatra writes, It's short-lived. Scroll down for a touchy grandpa. And we'll go to the next post, which was by 2468 Time to Inebriate, who writes, I planned to commit suicide last summer on my birthday. I didn't because I got pulled over and the RCMP officer was kind to me on the way to the mountains. Then I met two older couples on the hike I was going to do it on, and they invited me to hike with them. Then took me out to dinner and bought me my meal and a drink because they said no one should be alone on their birthday. They unknowingly stopped me with their kindness. Edit. Obligatory thank you for the gold, but also for all the responses. I'm happy to still be here. Not saying this year hasn't been one of the hardest years of my life, but just being around complete strangers on my birthday who genuinely cared about making my birthday a memorable one was enough to pull me back from the edge. Thank you so much for all the comments. I mean it. I'm happy this was my first gold. Edit 2. I generally try to stay low-key on Reddit, but I'm so glad I posted my original story. I've had so many people reach out and let me know how happy they are for someone they have no real affiliation with. You, as a community of people, are awesome. Once again, thank you so much for your responses, replies, words of encouragement, and your own stories. I'm sorry I can't reply to all of them, but I've read all of them, the craziest being someone who remembers my response to their Ask Reddit question almost exactly a year ago about me planning to drive to this mountain and kill myself on my birthday. But they are all heartwarming. Keep being kind. I'm glad the story could ignite that in so many internet strangers. And KRW13 writes, I'm not too different from that. I drove to the Rockies in 2017 to commit suicide and my car overheated before the first exit at a significant elevation. I let it cool and tried one more time and only barely made it to that first exit, but still nowhere close enough to far enough away. A friend had been bugging me non-stop, brackets, via phone calls I had been ignoring, and I finally just gave in. They asked me to come over and I was able to coast back down to the front range without overheating. I took my car to the shop the next day and the only issue was a melted radiator cap. It's normally a sign of a major issue, but the repair shop couldn't find anything wrong. They replaced the cap and I drove that car for nearly another year and never once had issues with overheating again. And the next post is by SAA0320. I was molested by my grandpa from about age 5 to 9. I never told my parents or friends, but did tell my therapist. I drunkenly told my brackets also drunk fiancé after about two weeks of dating, but he's never brought it back up. I don't think he remembers. I don't plan on telling him. As payback, my grandmother left me a diamond ring that just appraised for over $30,000 a year ago, among other jewelry that appraised for about $5,000. No one in the family understands why she left that to me, and I'm not saying a word. Edit. Throw away since my fiance knows my usual Reddit accounts. And NYSSA Not Nicer replies, I have family-related abuse stuff in my past. My husband knows about it, but never brings it up. He listens to me if I need to talk or holds me if I'm reacting. And he shuts my parent and he shuts his parents down when they keep pushing over why that family member isn't in my life. Good people know what to do with this kind of stuff. And deleted ads. 
I stopped talking to my brother because he fucked my girlfriend. He begged me to forgive him, and I told him no every time he asked. He killed himself just a couple of weeks after the last time. I've never been able to forgive myself. And LOL, 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 LOL replies, Dude, that's rough. Not your fault, though. And Crooked Creature adds, In times like these, do you ever regret your username? And LOL, 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 LOL replies, No more than you, I suppose. And Random Stallings adds, If you want to be sad, be sad that you'll never have a chance to reconcile. Be sad that your family misses him. Don't blame yourself for his suicide. This is coming from someone who often fights those urges. His demons were his. I'm sorry for your loss. And Cobalt Jedi 117 writes, My sister took her life last month. It was just before Mother's Day and only two weeks till her birthday. My last conversation with her was her asking for any of my old shirts I didn't want. All I said was, quote unquote, K, that will always be the last thing I said to her. And I will always want to have said more or something else to her, but I can't. And Italic Slope writes, I'm so sorry, friend. I can't imagine how difficult this must be for you. My sister is my best friend, and it hurts to think about this. Take care. Hang in there. XX. And Kinkzor replies, I lost my mom when I was young. I was by her side when she breathed her last breath. I went to the doctor and told them that I thought my mom had just died. Very shortly before she passed, I whispered, quote unquote, I love you to her. I know she didn't hear that. She was far too far gone. It upset me a lot for a long time that my last conversation with her was about something random and not that, quote unquote, I love you. But in the end, we had 15 years together, brackets, three years also, but apart as she was getting treatment in a different country. I told her I loved her many times. We laughed and cried together. It's life that matters, not the death. And Cobalt Jedi 117 writes, I pretty much knew when my last conversation with my grandmother was. The last few conversations I had with her were basically the same. She eventually figured out that I was going to school for, quote unquote, something with computers, but not a lot more than that. And Not That Serious 26 writes, That's heartbreaking. Reminds me of my cousin. She's always been horrible with keeping in touch, but her mother was the polar opposite. When anyone would text my cousin, it would take her days to respond, like she was too busy for you. Her mother, brackets who lived a few hours away, texted her one morning just to see how she was doing, but my cousin never responded because she was focused on her own day. That evening, her mother was murdered in her own home. Her last memory of her mother is ignoring her. She's living with that for the rest of her life. I treat every interaction with my mother like it's my last. I could never live with that kind of heartache. And Starflake adds, until my mother died, I thought the idea of last words were stupid and pointless. Who cares? They're gone, right? I had a very poor relationship with my mother, brackets, abusive, alcoholic, narcissistic. But as she was in the hospital, I made sure my last words to her were, quote unquote, I love you, mama. No matter how much I hated her, I'll forever be grateful for that. And Electric 2097 adds, it's nigh impossible to tell when your last conversation with someone might happen. Don't blame yourself. Take comfort in the fact that you loved her from childhood to the end. And Finish Fine 69 starts a new thread, which goes, My wife has a ceramic mug that she uses all day every day to drink water. As long as I've known her, she's used the same mug. Five years ago, shortly after we moved in together, I found the same mug on eBay. That replacement mug sits in a box at my office just in case the day comes that I accidentally break the original. And Crazy Man 1985 shares, I hear voices in my head. 
The reason I haven't gotten rid of them is because they keep me quote-unquote sane. I was suicidal at one point when they first started talking to me. They talked me down like any normal person. So now I hear them constantly telling me they love me and to keep moving on. They encourage me to get help, to talk to people, to not let myself fall back into the depression. I know I'm insane, but I was so much worse without them. I've only told one other person about it, mostly so if I start going crazy. So far, three years later, all good, ten voices, all different personalities, but all very comforting. And O1956 writes, Chill. Be careful, though. My friend had something like this, but the voices turned ugly. She got some medications and is doing all right now. And trust my shadow ads. One of my mom's students was like that, too. He had demon voices, but the angel voice kept him sane until the angel voice told him to bring a knife to school. Thankfully, he didn't attack anyone. The angel voice made it clear not to use the knife until she told the kid to. And Crazy Man 1985 replies, Had a close call like that. They told me not to be focusing so negatively, basically to chill out and relax about it before they started suggesting medication for me. So now I try not to worry too much about it. And Swiggins adds, I'm sorry this is a serious issue, but damn, you've got some wholesome-ass voices in your head. Telling you to take care of yourself and get the medication you need? That's kind of amazing. Still, get whatever help you need, though. And Spoon Horse adds, this is a lot more common than people think. Epidemiological studies suggest that auditory verbal hallucinations, brackets, AVH, occur in approximately 10 to 15% of the general population, of whom only a small proportion has a clinically relevant psychotic disorder. Individuals with AVH have expressed this symptom for a mean period of 29 years, brackets SD equals 17, range equals 2 to 56. Their mean age at first experiencing voices was 14, brackets SD equals 14, range equals 2 to 57. Over the last week, subjects had experienced a mean of 3.6, brackets SD equals 1.5. For AVH, the mean duration of the AVH was 128 seconds, brackets SD equals 153. 18% of the subjects had commenting voices and 11 had voices speaking with each other, which are consistent first-rank symptoms. The majority, brackets 71%, never heard AVH with a negative content. And username taken 1998 adds, So honest question, do you like quote-unquote physically hear voices or is it more like a whisper in the back of your mind i'm curious how this works and i find it interesting they say that throughout history the quote-unquote crazy people who could hear voices were actually the shamans and spiritual guides i like the kind of metaphysical idea that you are actually in touch with something either deep in yourself or woven into the world around you thoughts and Crazy Man 1985 replies, Started off as whispers in the head. Now they feel like someone is right behind me. Sometimes it's mumbled. Other times it's as clear as someone talking to me. I've thought about it being something more than just voices because of a few incidents I can't explain. But I try not to think too deeply about it because the implication raise a lot more questions than I want to tackle right now. And we'll leave that thread to go to a new post by Jizzerator who writes, When I was in high school, I had a potted plant in my room that looked like a little mini palm tree. Brackets, it had a bare stem and a head of stringy leaves on the top. At some point, I decided that the soil in the pot was a convenient place to jizz whenever I masturbated. This went on happily for a few weeks, but eventually, it seems the ants found it. For several days, there was a constant stream of ants going to my cum plant. Of course, during this time, I made sure to deposit more fresh loads for them to eat. 
Eventually, it seems that they decided it was such a good location, they would move in. I noticed that they started carrying these little white pellets that I assume were probably eggs. There were also a lot of wing dance that showed up and they would hang around uselessly at the base of the plant. I kept the ant colony well-fed with jizz for some months, and sometimes I had some spare time I would just sit and stare at them, busily running around with their little white egg pods or whatever they were. Unfortunately, I don't remember how the story ended. I think my mom probably noticed the ants and sprayed everything and killed them all, but at least for a little while, I had this wonderful motherly feeling of protecting my little colony and nourishing them with my nut milk. And Blue Soldier 001 writes, Well, that's enough internet for today. And Envision and Me writes, Do you have any eye bleach to spare an afflicted stranger? And Logru writes, How do you remove someone else's... <laughs> How do you remove someone else's Reddit comment? And Zach Mustel writes, So basically, Cumbox 2.0. And Horsemeat Sandwich adds, Coming soon to theaters, Cumbox 2. Come plant Ant Boogaloo. And Big Fat Boobies writes, I lost weight in the past year and have been exercising and packing healthy lunches for work. My friends and coworkers comment about my weight loss and fitness level, but I dread my days off because when I'm home alone, I binge eat massive quantities of food and throw it all up multiple times throughout the day until my husband comes home. I'm an RN, registered nurse, and I am painfully aware of how I am damaging myself. Edit. Holy shit, I did not expect this much support. I am overwhelmed. I was sitting on the swing in my backyard with my husband and three-year-old son when I switched accounts to share this. It physically hurt just to type it out and read the words. It's heartbreaking to see how many others are suffering and hiding their own ED eating disorders. I know I need help, but I've always been the quote-unquote strong one in our family, and I feel ashamed to admit that I am such a goddamn mess. Thank you all for taking the time to reach out. It's oddly comforting, coming from total internet strangers, heart emoticon. And Razor Emery's writes, My dad was not a good parent and extremely lazy. When I would wake up in the middle of the night and ask to go pee, he would just put me back in bed and tell me to go back to sleep. It got so ingrained in me to sleep through that internal alarm that tells you to get up and go pee that even now in my 20s, the only reason I don't wet the bed is I've learned not to drink anything an hour or more before bed and to force myself to use the washroom right before I go to sleep. I wake up painfully dehydrated every day, but it's better than being an adult that wets the bed. My father has doomed me to a lifetime of the most embarrassing and awkward struggle. And Real Horror Show replies, My grandfather put copper wires in my father's bed so that he would get shocked if he peed. It was originally a machine that was supposed to ring a bell if the wires got wet, but my grandpa was an engineer, so he changed it. To this day, my father won't classify that as abusive. And Knows All Secrets replies, The original machine is actually really useful for training people out of wetting the bed. If you get one and stop dehydrating before bed, you can likely cure yourself in weeks. And six-foot dwarven male replies i used to have one it's uh given me the ability to sleep through any alarm and jacobio tv writes when i first learned what masturbating was i had the ipod touch first gen i looked up stuff like quote-unquote boobs and quote-unquote butts but i got so paranoid that my mom would find out i did it so i threw away the ipod i wish i was smart enough to clear my search history back then and uncle istavan writes my fiance's brother downloaded porn to his phone when he was maybe 14 before going to the mountain house where there was no wi-fi or cell signal when he went to watch it obama's face popped up telling him he was going to jail he panicked smashed the phone and threw it in the woods he told his parents he lost the phone they still don't know the truth and his mom thinks we'll find it someday in a drawer in the house it's been around five years now
And Jimmy PD92 writes, why? Why did Obama's face pop up? Did he just DL a shit post video or what? And JW Fire Dragon adds, possibly one of those, quote unquote, the FBI has detected illegal files in those computers. Give us $100 in iTunes gift cards or you will be arrested viruses, especially if he was visiting some sketchy porn sites. And Confetti Fetish writes, I was just browsing Pornhub on my phone one day and I got one of those FBI messages. I started panicking that maybe midget porn is illegal after all. I've got antivirus on my phone though, so I ran it and all was good. And Goats of Wrath V2 writes, I used to put croissants to the self-serve as bread rolls. They weigh roughly around the same so it won't set them off and it comes in as half the price. Peppers still get weighed as onions. Come get me, supermarkets. Edit, we're all going to hell. And Hands for Bricks writes, My friend and I bought a bunch of bulk snacks for a road trip. We put them through as quote-unquote all-purpose flour. One-tenth the price. Nobody gave a shit. Pretty sure they even saw us do it. And JTrade21 adds, I bought green grapes, but put it in as red grapes. Brackets, a dollar a pound cheaper. I felt like the worst criminal that day frowning emoticon. And Black Shepherd adds, I did this with quote-unquote medium avocados versus quote-unquote large avocados for almost two years. Medium were $1.50 each, brackets, and also tiny compared to the large, as in maybe a third of the edible bits, so quote-unquote medium my ass. And the large ones were over three each. The computer only had you enter the number and didn't weigh them. But I was clearly not the only one to do this, as the store changed to self-checkout this year and now requires weight. Frowning emoticon. Yeah, stealing is wrong. So is false advertising. Okay. At least that's what I've told myself to sleep at night. And Gamma Geek Nerd shares. My girlfriend got extremely sick while we were sleeping next to each other. Like, roll over off the bed and cover the floor and vomit sick. I don't have the stomach for it, and I started feeling sick as well, and before I could get out of the room, I vomited all over her trash can. I immediately got out of the room and finished up in the restroom, and then her roommate's sister comes running in. She heard me bust out of the room and came in to see what was happening. There was vomit everywhere. An unbelievable amount for a small girl, and it was everywhere. She got my girlfriend in the shower and asked me to watch her while she got to work cleaning up our mixed awfulness. It took her a while and my girlfriend threw up a few more times from what we found out was food poisoning. Eventually, most of it was cleaned up and I put her back in bed and I've not told a single person that it wasn't all her vomit and I had in fact covered the other half of the room. Edit, I really hope she never finds this. And it's not Caligula writes, One time my wife was in the hospital after surgery. They gave her still softeners. They kicked in all at once. I held her in the shower while they took effect. She was so embarrassed, hit her face and cried. I would kill to hold her again while this happened. 10-20-2007 was when she left this earth. Have not shared that with anyone. And Tessa Cat adds, my boyfriend and I traveled to NYC a couple of years ago. On our first of two flights home, I puked in the airplane. Both bathrooms were occupied and my hands were shaking, so he opened up and held my puke bag for me. What followed was 14 of the worst hours of my life. I couldn't get on our connecting flight home because I couldn't make it through security without throwing up. We had to get a hotel room where I just sat on the toilet and cried. He called my insurance company for me. I ended up having to go to the hospital and I threw up in the hallway of the hotel, brackets into a baggie, fortunately when we were heading down to get in the taxi. Boyfriend made me sit in the hallway floor. He ran down to tell the driver to wait for us, then ran back up and got me to slowly make our way down while he took my warm, gross puke bag back to our hotel room to throw it out. Him grabbing my puke bag was the moment I decided I'm going to marry that guy. 
so romantic. And Irish Mac 3 writes, I once got food poisoning at my GF's house while sleeping. Woke up about 3 a.m. with immediate urge to go to the bathroom. Brackets, lucky, right? Her and her roommate are asleep. Finish up and think it was just that night's Thai food doing its magic. Oh, bless my heart. I couldn't have been so right and so wrong at the same time. As I'm walking back to my GF's room, I get this tingle. I can't really put it into words, but it was like my asshole called out to me, a warning, if you will, of the hell it was about to unleash. Luckily, I lived about a three-minute drive away, so I woke her up with a quote-unquote, I don't feel well going home, as I frantically grabbed my clothes in the dark, drove home, clenching my sphincter so tight I'm pretty sure diamonds came out first, followed by wave after wave of, well, shit. Then the vomiting hit. I was up all night slash morning doing the run to the bathroom and figuring out what quote-unquote end had the urge to be emptied and trying not to mix up the two. Brackets, I mean, who wants to clean shit out of the trash can or vomiting in a shit-covered toilet? But I made it out the other side alive. Then the next day, had to deal with going to work. Brackets, other cook I worked with had already called in using food poisoning as an excuse, so boss didn't buy mine. And GF upset and suspicious, I suddenly left at 3 a.m. causing arguments. I neither date the same girl nor have the same place of employment. Zero out of ten would do again. And Ice Arrows adds, At summer camp when I was 14, my entire group got food poisoning. Both toilets and every container with a plastic bag in it was occupied. Bodily fluids frightened me, so I went outside and laid in the grass, trying not to puke for what felt like forever. Cried by myself with a cup of water and some bread at dinner because I felt awful and I was alone because everyone else was glued to some waste receptacle. And bending moment of doom writes, My boyfriend, brackets, now husband, threw up all over me while we were sleeping in his tiny dorm bed senior year of college. We were both pretty drunk, but he more so than me because he doesn't remember doing it. I was sober enough that I woke up and was like, quote unquote, what the fuck is this shit doing on me? Then I had to get up and clean it up while he slept away like a baby. I think the only reason I didn't throw up was my exhaustion slash hangover haze, which made me go through the motions of cleaning and doing laundry without being fully aware of how awful it was. And to think I still married him. But I made up for it by choosing a career where I travel to remote developing areas for work and come home with exciting gastrointestinal diseases that he has to help deal with. I have much worse vomit slash poop stories than that. And Lone Cookie adds, I was with my BF having a kind of party with acid at his place. We moved his mattress to the living room and surrounded it by couches, littered them with food. While the night is winding down, I'm super excited, so I just... <laughs> what? Well, the night is winding down, and I'm still super excited. So excited, I just puke all over the damn bed. Just torrents out of me mid-conversation. Fuck. I felt so embarrassed. I'm such an idiot. That's not even a normal reaction. I just forgot to keep track of how excited I was being and giving myself a breather for a moment. Well, he doesn't even get mad. He gets all concerned and takes me to the bathroom, gives me weed to smoke since it mellows you out and is generally used to prevent throwing up, cleans up his bedsheets, puts on new bedsheets. He doesn't even do that. He's always such a slob. Hangs out with me for a few minutes until I say I feel better and brings me a big bowl just in case to alleviate my anxiety about doing it again. I'm just so amazed. He used to come home really drunk the year prior after partying with friends, brackets when we were just roommates and not in a relationship, and retch into the toilet occasionally because he had drank too much. I'm such a wimp by icky things by comparison. I didn't even hang out with him to make sure he was okay back then. He was super understanding and accommodating that night, though. It was the sweetest thing. And Freddy1909 writes, I once killed a mother duck with a slingshot. I am so sorry. I didn't think that I would hit. Sometimes I wonder what happened to the baby ducks. I was a stupid 11 years old. It still haunts me. 
and penoid ads. I accidentally stepped on a baby chick once. Its intestines were coming out of its butthole and its brothers and sisters were doing quote unquote cheap cheap standing around it all confused. I felt so fucking awful. Then I kicked it into a pile of garbage before anyone noticed. I still feel guilty to this day. 15 years later. I'll never forget how soft it was. It felt like I'd stepped on a fresh muffin. And Shadowbound 199 adds, I once accidentally dropped a big log on a two-day-old baby bunny. It was my friend's, and he started crying, and I ran away like some criminal. Edit, it was a big wooden log, you sick fucks. And R.C. Tommy shares, I cheated on my fifth grade science fair project and ended up winning the entire competition. I'm now 23 and still feel like a piece of shit because of it. Edit, and my shame is now by far my most upvoted comment ever. And Randomosity132 adds, I'm also curious in what way you cheated a science fair. And R.C. Tommy adds, It's really not all that interesting. I didn't just do the project by the assigned date. Faked an illness the Friday it was due and threw a project together over the weekend that i basically done the year before at a different school. And McNuggety NY writes, That's not even really cheating, LOL. And Puff the Magic Juju adds, Yeah, maybe dishonest, but at least it's not plagiarism if you steal from yourself. And... R.C. Tommy replies, Eh, I still guilt over it. Ha <laughs> ha. And Snowflake's ex Babble writes, I used to cheat on my timed math tests in first grade. We only had a minute to answer as many questions as possible, and I'd always just keep going after they called time until I was finished. I'd always get a hundred, and my teacher and parents were so proud of me. Felt guilty for years. And Tyrannosaurus Sex One writes, For a science fair project back in high school, I decided I was going to do a computer science project coding with C. The problem was, I didn't know C, but I figured that since I had several months to prepare and get it all together, I'd be able to learn in that time and make a project that would at least get me to pass. Brackets, it was required grade for advanced science classes. I ended up procrastinating so long that I ended up running out of time and I went to my good friend who did know how to program to ask him for quote-unquote help. He ended up basically doing the whole project for me over the course of a few days. It was a super simple ting. Basically a glorified word counter. I made a quick presentation and wrote up the paper. There were only three contestants in the computer science division, so I ended up getting third, which means I moved on to the regional fair. This time, for contestants, I make honorable mention qualifying for the state science fair. This time, there's people from all over the state who have made these amazing projects like designing robots, simulations, etc., and the judges who actually know what they're talking about finally put a stop to my meteoric rise to the top. TLDR had a friend make a my science fair project bullshitted slash defaulted my way to the state contest. And TW4R writes, this perfectly describes most of my high school life. I believe it's called falling upwards, where with minimal effort you're able to achieve much by pure luck, wits, and being able to BS. To others going down the same path right now, be careful with procrastination and relying on your high school skills of doing nothing to get through life. It quickly catches up on you. And Tyrannosaurus Sex 1 adds, Yep, I'm entering my third year of college in August, and that's a lesson I've been having taught to me these last few years. I've failed classes, lost scholarships, and missed so many opportunities because I never had to try. It's only recently I've been able to crawl my way out of the hole I've been digging for myself. And Travro writes, If anyone remembers the toy quote-unquote sockum boppers, basically they're blow-up boxing gloves that are shaped kind of like lawnmower tires. They didn't need to strap or tie around your wrist to stay on because at full inflation, the hand insert was tight enough to snug your wrist. Well, one day I'm lying on the couch and my little brother decided to whack me on the side of the head with one when I wasn't paying attention. His fun was cut short, however. He immediately took off the bopper and lamented that it was 
wet inside the hand insert and that it stunk. Confused, he walked away. I had been using it for a pocket vagina. And throw away it is one adds, Are you me? I uh, did the same thing with the same result. Brother got the gooey surprise. Taking it a step further, months, brackets, or years, I don't know, later, a friend stuck his hand in it and my brother died laughing. I had, of course, rinsed it out, but his hysterical laughter was enough that my friend tried to beat on me to tell him why the laughter. I didn't tell him. And Yagzula writes, I peed in my dad's bottle of Bacardi. He drank from it every night and was a raging alcoholic when I was younger. Anytime he acted like an asshole, I'd have this small sense of satisfaction in the back of my mind that no matter what he did or said, he drank my piss. And I hate Poodle's 69 shares. I would probably never consider myself an atheist, but I certainly don't believe in many of the core tenets of my professed religion, and I have very serious doubts about most of the others. The biggest problem is I've come to these conclusions only after recently marrying my very conservatively religious wife and taking a job at said religious institution as a minister. I'm in a bad place right now. Edit. Thanks a lot to everyone who has commented with advice, philosophy, and consolation. I have read every comment up to this point, and it has honestly put me a bit at ease to hear from all of you. I'm going to turn off my notifications, but I love all the open discussions, so feel free to continue commenting. And Sir Worley asks, As an atheist who was raised in a non-religious home, the feelings you must be having I cannot comprehend. Kind of curious, though, what started your current crisis of faith, do you think? And I hate Poodle's 69 ads. I was raised by people who were Christians, but not necessarily fundamentalists. The particular branch of Christianity we were raised in is known for being very, quote, join or die. But due to several influences in my life, I believe that certain principles of science and of the Bible were not mutually exclusive. This belief allowed me to believe the Bible, but also believe the scientific reality that is human evolution. It wasn't until I met a man who disagreed with such a view that I began to have doubts. He basically told me that to truly believe the Bible, you must believe that God created the world in six literal days, and he's right. So what that tells me is I can't believe the Bible. I still haven't made up my mind, and I'm so iffy on millions of little details. I stay awake at night thinking what would happen to my whole life if this ever came out. I will very likely never use this account again, but it feels good to get it off my chest. And the real CJW writes, brackets Christian here, the way I perceive God creating the world in six days is that he is not bound by natural laws, brackets time, gravity, etc. So he can literally make something out of nothing instantly. Edit, I also strongly believe this doesn't have anything to do with someone's salvation either. Just like people disagreeing on whether the Sabbath is on Saturday or Sunday, it doesn't mean you can't believe if you disagree. And Rachal writes, Sounds a bit like last Thursdayism. And last Thursdayism is the idea that the universe was created last Thursday, with the physical appearance of being billions of years old. It's also a counter to the creationism theory. Under last Thursdayism, books, fossils, light already on the way from distant stars, and literally everything, brackets, including our memories of the time before last Thursday, were all formed at the time of creation, brackets, last Thursday, in a state that they appear much older. Last Thursdayism functions as both a, as a philosophical point on how our observations may not match with quote-unquote reality and a reductio ad absurdum of the young earth creationist idea of omphalism. 
if the world was created 6,000 years ago with the appearance of being made billions of years ago, what is there to stop us from claiming it was made last Thursday? And GG1 Angela writes, I ordered 50 custom fortune cookies at 3 a.m. saying, quote unquote, I think I'm in love with you just to give my best friend one. When I woke up, I knew I couldn't give them to him because he has a girlfriend and I've missed my chance. He used to be in love with me. Anyone want a fortune cookie? And Man Panda Pig adds, my penis is several shades darker than the rest of me, and I never tan my penis. And Mendax adds, Common. And Ambitious Puppy adds, Two-Tone Malone, that you, buddy? And Count Money adds, I remember there was a guy in gym class that had an extremely red penis. Not that much different than a dog's. No one ever acknowledged it, though, because we didn't want to be the guy that looks at dicks. But you couldn't miss it. I wonder what he's up to nowadays. And... Rune L. Fox writes, Fun fact, what would be the foreskin, brackets I'm referring to the outer skin of the entire penis, on a dog would be the furry bit. The red inside part, the dick under the skin, is what goes out. A little creepy. And Aloysius 7 writes, Never saw a dick in gym. I think you are that guy. And Count Money adds, Have you ever been on the other side of a shower tree from a guy with a glowing red dick, though? And Aloysius 7 adds, What's a shower tree? And Count Money replies, That's what we call the pole in a public shower with the shower heads all around it. And Aloysius 7 writes, Weird. Our showers were separated for privacy. Teens shouldn't be showering together. And Sectoid Dev writes, Weird. I've never seen a private gym shower until I had to actually pay for a membership. Usually it was shower heads on the wall in a big open room. In college, the shower room had a shower tree in addition to the wall heads. And I agree. Teen boys shouldn't shower together. Middle school is no place for weakness. And Coots Magoo writes, I had sex with one man. <laughs> I had sex with one man who was half black and half white. His penis changed from dark to light mid-shaft. And Khalifa Days writes, He's probably just circumcised, and that's where they cut off the skin. And Coots Magoo replies, Now I'm going to suck his dick, quote-unquote, for science, to examine the color change closely again. It's been a while, but it is his birthday today. And Electricon writes, Ha ha, this happened to me. The girl I was sleeping with made a comment about my penis being abruptly different colors. No one had ever said that to me before, and I thought maybe I had a deformed penis. I think I asked every woman I knew to look at a dick pic and tell me if it was normal. I was over 30 years old. This is a hilarious story for me, and I have told it many times to other people. Even my friends say, quote unquote, that time you show your dick off, quote unquote, for science, not your proudest moment, is it? And I'll reply, how else do you get all your friends to stare at it? Edit, I'm a white guy, and I guess the change in skin color is due to circumcision. And Unperson adds, my vag looks like it belongs in a black girl. I'm white. And Johnny B. 1917 adds, I jerked off with what I thought was just lotion, and then I realized it was tanning lotion the next day when my hand slash dick were orange. And Dark Overlord 333 shares, TLDR, I almost killed my family when I finally snapped. I tried to smother my mom when I was in college. I was abused by my grandparents and her ever since I was a child. It was a combination of physical and verbal abuse growing up. One day I snapped, 
brackets 21F, and I almost murdered them, but I had to stop myself. My grandparents were gaslighting me again, and I lost it. I took a pair of scissors and destroyed my bed out of frustration. I beat up my mother with my bare hands because I was so angry. I scared everyone in the house. I screamed for hours on end. They begged me. To this day, I'm suffering the consequences of BP-2, schizophrenia, and currently depression. None of my friends know the degree of violence I'm capable of, and it makes me sad that, that people are so emotionally demanding from me when I have nothing left to give. And Craigslist Axe Killer replies, Honest question here. Are your friends really demanding, or do you just not know how to operate in any relationship at this point? And Dark Overlord 333 replies, They are demanding. I have other friends that don't guilt trip me, and I maintain a closer bond with them. We're all going through something, and they get it, and I get it when one isn't so responsive. I just have a couple who are emotionally demanding. They're like emotional vampires. They're cool and all, but I'm considering cutting them off because it's aggravating my condition. And I've been doing well maintaining my sanity and composure. And Levian Dry replies, I had friends like that for the longest time, and I swear I gravitated towards people like that because I like to help people and feel needed. But eventually it just wears on you. You can help someone with their problems all you want, but if they're that type of person, they will always have problems and then they will never all go away. I can't stand being around my own family for this very reason. There is always some kind of drama. Money problems always. This person stole something from me. This person said this thing about me. Literally, the moment I see them, I'm bombarded with what's going wrong in their life. I've, quote unquote, lent so much money to my mother who will never be able to pay me back. I don't make a lot of money, but I have a really hard time saying no. And 198814 replies, emotional vampires are something else. There's one person I avoided for months during a hard time. BC, I couldn't spare the emotional energy she needed from me. Being around her can be fun, but also so, so draining. Googling setting boundaries for emotional vampires gave me some good tips, like a good way to say that, quote unquote, I'm not in a good place to hang out right now. I need some alone time this week to recharge. Brackets, she wasn't someone I want to cut off completely. You owe it to your mental health to protect it. Anyone who aspires to healthy relationships will respect your boundaries. And Dark Overlord 333 replies, I did set my boundaries. They disrespected me even if I begged them to stop. I decided to ghost them. And suck a fucking dick, BPAF, replies. Fellow schizoaffective here, brackets BP1 and schizophrenia, I thought an ex was going to kill me and my child. After 2.5 hours of verbal and physical abuse, I snapped and choked her. This resulted in DV charges and some other bullshit. Because it was a violent crime, I couldn't get approved for any apartments that weren't in the ghetto, which I can't do with my 8-year-old son. My family had to bail me out by finding me a place. Five years later, my record is expunged and I've moved on with my life. I've met someone who knows my past and isn't afraid of me or my diagnosis. I'm not a violent person, but my record showed otherwise. Until I was able to get it expunged, I was terrified I would have a random background check at work, get fired, lose insurance, no longer be able to afford to treat my mental illness, and then I'd just kill myself. That's a shitty thing to be afraid of for years. So what I'm saying is, I've been there, friend. Lots of us have. I hope you feel like your life has improved and you're getting treatment. And Terminata replies, Holy shit, my abuse was verbal slash emotional, but I'm starting to get to the point that it's getting harder for me to keep my composure. I feel like I've been going crazy for many years because I have sudden flares of anger and hate. Usually what helps me is exhausting my energy. Jim slash video games slash hanging out with the GF. She knows to an extent of what I've been through and lets me talk out my frustration. Please, look out for your well-being and channel that anger and energy into something that makes you happy. Something that will distract you. Or talk it out. Find what works best for you. It doesn't have to be with others, but it doesn't mean you have to deal with it on your own. I hope you can work through this and become stronger and happy. 
and UDC blogger writes, that schizophrenia violence is no joke, man. I've had some knockdown drag outs with guys going through episodes. It gives you superhuman strength. Source, former CO, which means corrections officer. And Captain Cruiser shares, there was an opportunity I had exactly once wherein if given the chance, I would absolutely have shagged my cousin. Brackets, yes, roll tide, haha. It was at a family reunion. She was a cousin of similar age who I was only related to by marriage and who I'd met a couple times before. Tall, pale skin, dark hair, thick in the right places, right up my alley. There was an immediate sexual tension between us. I felt it clear and familiar, but despite how attracted to her I was, I remained as neutral as possible in interaction and demeanor towards her. I did not count on her being so friendly with me, though. She invited me to hang out with just the two of us and watch a movie together. So we talked and whatnot, got to know each other a little, and moved into the TV room to watch the movie together on the couch while the family was elsewhere. We got closer and closer on that couch, watching Dirty Rotten Scoundrels on DVD, enjoying the movie, but also with the thought in my head that I fully intend to see where this relationship between us can go. Unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, depending on who you ask, we were interrupted. We thought we had some time alone, but family came trickling into the room, then it was time for family activities and our plan to hang out was stymied. The disappointment on her face was as obvious as it could be and it hit me pretty hard. Now I look back on that day and wonder what could have been. Totally would have hooked up with her if things went that way. And all bonered up writes, same with me, but actually went through with it. I was 18 and she was 15 when we met. She was one of those wise beyond her years, old soul, talented in many ways kind of people. She was cute and all, but again, 15 and 18. We were out at my aunt and uncle's cottage playing cards and smashing brews for the weekend and she kept touching my leg under the table and shit. I was getting weirded out about it a little, so I excused myself for a smoke and she followed me out. This is where I had to tell her to stop. She apologized and it was done. Fast forward to last year and she's in university. We meet at a club, we catch up for a bit, grab a cab, and it's off to my place. We did the dirty, and I have zero regrets. I would have dated her if it didn't feel so weird. I stopped talking to her after a while because the whole thing was weird to me. Looking back, I really fucked up. She turned into a sexy little musical genius, and we have a lot in common. If I hadn't been afraid of the potential stigma that came from dating our cousin's cousin, we might have had a serious and fruitful relationship. Instead, I'm the dick that stopped returning texts. And... BRDJFC writes, but she's your cousin? And all bonered up replies, my uncle's brackets, blood's wife's brackets, non-blood, brother's daughter, no blood relationship. And BRDJFC replies, ah yeah, that's far enough removed to not even be weird, IMO. And Bartleby X rads, meh, IDGAF if someone wants to fuck their bio cousin, much less cousin by marriage. On the other hand, I'm autistic, so social rules often seem stupid to me. And Hug the NSA writes, Honestly, same. It just seems silly that for all of human history, this as an incredibly normal thing. There are very few chances of anything genetically going wrong, and it's suddenly frowned upon. I say this as someone married to someone from another continent that's a different race, so we really couldn't be more genetically separate. And Glitter Kitty adds, in England, it's legal to shag your bio cousin. Is it different in America? And Bartleby X replies, Not giving legal advice, brackets, not a lawyer, but I think it's legal to sleep with one's cousin in all 50 states, and I think it's legal to marry one's first cousin in most states and one's second cousin in all of them. If anyone here wants to do such and has any concern about possible violation of the law, I'd suggest they check with a lawyer first. Smiling Emoticon. 
and the midnight cigarette ads. I've jerked off on the clock at every job I've ever had since I was 14. Everywhere from Porta Johns at construction sites to Six Flag employee bathroom, I've jerked it. The boss gets a dollar, I get a dime. That's why I jerk it on company time. And Ass Crack Bandits shares. I jerk off every day at work in the toilet, of course. And Thur Apist writes, get yourself an ant plant. <laughs> Well, what did you think of that? Another great example of oversharing from the internet. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who are thinking about killing themselves. That is not surprising, but also a bummer. Suicide is a drastic step. And as we know from all of the recent celebrity deaths, even people who seem to have it all sometimes just walk away from it through the death door. As someone who has had suicide in his family history, suicide super sucks. And uh, especially if people don't leave a note or just sort of uh, inexplicably out of the blue kill themselves. It's sort of one of the real drag. So uh, if you are thinking about killing yourself, please call one of the many suicide hotlines out there. Talk to somebody because life is difficult. But <laughs> if you just take a second to, th to think about it, you can pull yourself out of that one-way ticket. Anyhow, yeah, so a lot of people thinking about suicide, a lot of people with some really messed up uh, sexual events happening to them. I mean, that's what you get when you look at for uh, the dark secrets that people have never told. The religion part was interesting to me. I did read a book that I cannot remember the title of, but I will, if I can remember it, I will link to it on the Facebook page about a pastor who had been a you know, super fervent religious person spreading the gospel all over Latin America and all over the world and had married this super religious woman and had all these you know, religious friends and recorded all these religious songs. And then somehow someone asked him a question that just sparked a hint of doubt. And that doubt took root and eventually he had to get out and like ended you know he basically got excommunicated by all his friends and uh had to start a whole new life as the exact opposite of what he'd been it's an interesting story anyhow people got secrets and sometimes they share them and we thank them for that so uh that's going to do it for this episode. If you've made it to this point and you're interested in a Lou Reed's t-shirt, there's still a day left to buy one. The last day of the sale is July 27th. So if you want a t-shirt, please order one. All of the people who said they wanted one have once again not ordered one. So if you would like a t-shirt, please go to bonfire.com, look for Lou Reed's and purchase one there. Uh, but beyond that, uh, just the usual stuff as the same as beginning as the end thanks to all the people who support the podcast on Patreon thanks to everyone who donates through PayPal on the loureads.com page I appreciate it with, no matter how you feel like you want to support the podcast whether it's just telling people about it whether it's uh, money or um, whatever make a drawing send it in sending the pictures of the magnets that I send you asking for magnets I appreciate it all thank you so much for listening and I just wanted to as I said at the beginning of the episode read some of the wonderful reviews that people have left on iTunes I want to start with the latest one which is from June Florissima writes if you like listening to stupid heinous and occasionally shocking things read in a pleasant deep voice this is certainly something you ought to listen to I know it's one of my favorites and Kiki Big Ham tends 
2017 writes, My fiance introduced me to this podcast for about a year now, and we've been listening to it since then. We always listen to it where we're on the road and burst out laughing together, LOL. P.S. You have such an amazing voice, and thank you for taking the time to read and record these outrageous forums. Smiling emoticon. And finally, Herbie McHebrew adds, I have to admit that I love this seedy underbelly of the internet. That said, I'm not a huge fan of having said underbelly in my browser history. This podcast allows me to play digital anthropologist without ending up on some watch list. Lou's voice is fantastic, and his love for his listeners is so admirable. Consider me a perma-subscriber. Considered. <laughs> uh, thanks for writing those reviews. I really appreciate it. And... Thanks to everyone who has written other reviews. And if you would like to make a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast, please do so. Uh, I will hopefully be reading more of these in the future because it's fun. And, you know, you know, it's basically me patting myself on the back. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And thank you so much. And without further ado, so that I can start editing this thing, let's end this episode. So my name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet. Ask Reddit, what's a dark, deep secret you've never told anyone for you? We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>